You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his upon you. First of all, I feel like I need to do some expectation generation, or at least some expectation control. I don't even play a preacher on TV, so with that in mind. Please join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the many blessings that you've given us. So many blessings, we cannot count them. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be with me as I deliver this message today, that it would be useful to your purpose, that it would enter our hearts, that it would ring a bell of truth, and it would help us as we go throughout our next week. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My title today is about Christian carry. What is a Christian everyday carry? When we think about who we are as people, more importantly, when we think about who we are as Christians, what do you take with you into the world each and every day? It's not working. <laughs> there it is. When I think about it, in the work that I do, there are a lot of people that are watching me. And if you think about it, there are probably a lot of people that are watching you. People you know and people that you don't know. How do you prepare yourself each and every morning? What do you take with you? This is not just the things that we carry in our pockets but it's also the attitudes and the beliefs that we take with us into whatever world we enter in. And so how do you prepare yourself for that day? When I think about this, I'd like you to take a moment. Go ahead and close your eyes. What's in your pocket? What's in your purse or in your bag? Think about those items that are in there. Why is it there? When we think about those types of things, which one of those, if you left behind, would make you feel not ready for the day, would make you feel naked? Why is this so important to you? You can open your eyes. Some years back, I was preparing to leave Yakima. I left Yakima. Was going to an early, early afternoon meeting in Spokane. And I had left, and I'd stopped at Moses Lake to use the restroom, get something to drink. And when I go around and pat the back of my pocket, guess what was not there? That, that was not there. In preparation for the morning, somehow I was on automatic pilot and that was not there. I did not have enough time to drive all the way back to Yakima to get my wallet. And I needed this because I needed to pay for a hotel room that night. What am I going to do? This is an important meeting. My gracious wife, 
met me in Ellensburg. Carrying this. So that I could continue on the trip and make that meeting. When we think about this, those types of things that we put in our pockets are extremely important to us. They can mean the difference between being successful and not successful. When we think about the types of things that we carry with us, they are influenced by where we grew up, by the people that have been in our lives, by the surroundings, the physical environment that we have found ourselves in. I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. It was here that I became a Boy Scout, Cub Scout after Weeblo. It was also here that I became a Christian in a church that looks something like this, actually very much like this. It was here that I learned what was important. It was here that I learned the things that I needed to take with me. It was in a church like this that I became a Christian. Now, of course, we didn't have the piano up in the corner <laughs> or things like that, but the building was an exact duplicate of this one. It was the hull of an ark, just upside down to shelter our heads. As a young person, I heard so many different stories that as I became a Christian, they spurred me on to do different things. But that was only part of my life. It was in this community that I heard many different things. And today we use things like hero to describe people who do great things. It was here, oh, that's skipping way ahead on me. I have no idea why it's doing that. Yes, please. <laughs> um, we hear these stories of how God worked through individuals to achieve his or her ends and to achieve God's end at the same time. When I think about this, Noah and the building that we were in that looked very much like the ribs of a boat and then the planking that would keep the water out, how he saved not only humanity, but he saved all of the animals. Then we move forward in time how Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt and saved them from bondage and slavery. Then we come even more forward in time, and we hear about a shepherd boy that saves the mighty army of Israel with just a stone and a sling. Heroes that have wonderful ability to be able to inspire us. And then one of the most 
amazing things to me how God took the most vile persecutor of the church and made him the beacon to the world for Christianity. How does all of this happen? How do these people achieve such goals, such lofty, lofty deeds? They must carry something with them. And Kevin has been talking to us about the Sermon on the Mount. So is the timing off on that thing? It's weird. So why don't you just take over and I'll uh, point to you. Just a few weeks ago, he delivered a message to us about the Beatitudes. And one, one preacher that was speaking to us in Casper, he translated this as what we are to be, the attitudes that we are to be, the be attitudes. So how do we look at that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, these are wonderful things to think about, but how do I be those things? How do I take these into the world with me each and every day? It's hard to think about all of the deep spiritual things that Kevin has been thinking about when you're having to cook dinner, get the laundry done, please a boss. Sometimes it's very difficult to make these things very practical. When we move on, in there we says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I want people to think of me kindly. I want them to give me some sort of grace when I make a mistake. And so how do I take this forward, and what is the engine that helps me obtain this? When I think about the next part of it that says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is an awesome thing to think about. Because remember one of those heroes we just got through talking about wanted to see God. Moses wanted to see him, but the Lord said, no, you will die. And so he granted him a gift. He held Moses' face in the cleft of the rock, and he passed by, and Moses just saw or glimpsed the back of God. And when he came from Mount Sinai, he glowed with such radiance that the people were afraid just from seeing the back of God. So when we think about this, this section that says, pure in heart they shall see God, how do I become that pure so that I can actually behold God? 
I have no idea how to do that. Yet this is something that I'm supposed to be able to do in my everyday life. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I don't know about you, but there are some people I have a very hard time tolerating. How can I make peace with this person that I have a very difficult time tolerating? Much less liking, just tolerating. How can I put this to effect in my own life? I've got to find something that helps me to be able to do this. Yet I go on, and we hear in Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil of the day and having done all to stand. This is a pretty large responsibility. We're supposed to develop ourselves enough to be able to withstand spiritual warfare. And I have to tell you, I use a cane. Sometimes I don't know that my body's able to deal with that. Sometimes the joints are just not there anymore. I'm not a young man anymore. How do I do this? Well, the writer says, put on the girdle of truth. We call it a belt today, but the breastplate of righteousness, shod Feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take on the shield of faith, helm of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. To a young person that had just become a Christian and to even <laughs> me some days, I feel like this has really become a huge tool that seems impractical. There's a lot of specialty things that I'm being asked to do that I'm supposed to have in my pocket, and this thing I would need a backpack because it weighs about 15 pounds. It won't fit in my hand. How do I wield this? How do I use this? What is the one tool that I can take with me that I can carry every day that can help me be all of these things we've just been talking about. There's got to be something. Go ahead. There's got to be something that I can use, something that's practical, something that when I interact with you, I interact with my boss, I interact with a stranger, 
whether it's face to face or through the window of my car, that I can be effective in showing that person that I'm a Christian. What is that one thing that I can do? For me, growing up in Wyoming, the one tool I knew that I needed to have on me at all times was my scout knife. You may see a knife, a pocket knife, when you see this thing. What I see is fire. I see rope. I see shelter. I see a way to feed myself. I see a way to heal someone, if necessary. I see so many different things in this one tool. Why? Because I know this tool. I grew up with this tool. I was trained with this tool. I have used this tool in numbers of backpacking trips. I have <laughs> wrenched on so many old trucks and cars with a tool just like this. And I have been able to survive. I have been able to be effective. And I have been able to be quite ingenious with just this in my pocket. What's the spiritual equivalent? This one thing that you can do many things with. How can we distill the commandments? How can we distill the Beatitudes? How can we lead ourselves to wisdom? In each piece of the God's armor, that spiritual armor. I think it comes from Luke 6, 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you do likewise. For many of this, for many of us, this is something that we learned when we were five, kindergarten age. No matter where you were, whether you were in the Church of Christ or not. But for many of us, it didn't last as far as a guiding principle. It dropped out of catechisms pretty early. We started dealing with other issues that were more complex, and so we started trying to use more complex tools. But I think we did that to our disservice. When we think about this tool, it's useful for a person who is just beginning out their road in this life. It's a tool that brings wisdom for those who are much, much senior in life's experiences. It's a tool that serves as a foundation. It takes a selfish creature and makes me think about others. It turns a selfish motivation into agape love. Loving someone else as you love yourself. Not for gain, but because of who they are. For me, 
this is the everyday tool that I need to take with me because it's useful in all sorts of situations. I can use it in the real world, whether that's a classroom or whether that's a boardroom. Whether that's standing up here speaking to you all or speaking to someone individually in a crowded hall, in a crowd. It enhances our survival. This is the way that we build community. This is the way that we build friendships. This is the way that we make ourselves truly human and Christian at the same time. This particular tool is essential in the Lord's Prayer. Listen for it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our errors as we forgive those who err against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is quite a prayer. Think about if you're stingy with your grace, with your forgiveness, if you're stingy, how are we going to be treated? Will God's grace be miserly toward us? That's hard to think about. It's a tremendous prayer. When we go on, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is hard to do for someone I can't tolerate. Sometimes it's hard to do for the people that we love. When I think about this, I think about family. And I think, you know, we give this saying to our five-year-olds, Treat others as you want to be treated. But then I think about myself as a parent. Do I treat my children as I would like to be treated? And as I become a little bit older, have I treated my children in such a way that they will treat me kindly when I'm dependent upon them for decisions and for my care? This is a life lesson for us. Using the Lord's teaching in us in how to treat others as we would like to be treated is truly a powerful tool that we can take into the rest of the world. When we think about all of this, The golden rule is the tablet upon which 
the Ten Commandments are written. Think about it. Jesus asked the young ruler to sum up what is the law. And he said, the essential part of this is love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What did God do for us? He loved us with his son that came, showed us how to live, and died for us. The death that we were destined to die. Yet he so loved us that he brought Jesus. Did God use the golden rule? I think he did. I think he actually surpassed it. But how about the rest of them? Honor your father and mother for this is a commandment of promise that you may live long. goes back to how do we raise our children? Do we raise them in such a way that they're willing to honor us? To give us respect? Do we act toward our children with such dignity and respect toward them that it naturally flows from them to us? We tend to call that love, or we think we do, but it's really teaching them how to be a part of the family. And when we think about the rest of the commandments, treat others as you would have them treat you, is that stone upon which these commandments are built. It says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness or lie against people, and do not covet. When we think about living with our neighbors, living with our friends, living with our family, how do we feel when someone steals from us? How do we feel when someone wants to take something that we own away? How do we feel when someone lies about us? This is the stone. These are the... do unto others as you would have them do for you, is the tablet upon which these commandments are written. This is an essential part of the gospel of God that brought us here. Someone treated me with respect. Someone thought I needed to be saved. They didn't treat me as if I were a sinner. They treated me as if I were a person. Someone of value. They helped me to learn that I wasn't being the example that I needed to be. That this is generally our human state. but they also help me to understand that there is a different way to be. And it's through their kindness that I became a Christian. 
So as we close out our lesson today, what I encourage you, so just as you take these things off your dresser or your bureau and put them in your pockets to be ready for your day, that you really consider taking with you the golden rule as the one tool that you can use throughout the day in almost any situation you find yourself. To relate to the world, to keep you going true north toward our Savior and our Lord. And so now we offer a time that should you need someone to pray for you, if you want to hear more about Jesus and what he's done for us, or if you would like to be baptized, we offer this time now. And we would like to extend the golden rule to you and treat you as others have treated us who are part of the family, the family of God. Amen.